And now another show from the Ocelli Archives. This show originally aired May 30th, 2015. You're listening to The Ocelli Effect. Ah, May 30th, 2015. The Ocelli Effect, as that bumper tells you, I'm your host, Chuck Ocelli, and I'm going to do my best not to use the phrase, you know, during my conversations tonight, because apparently I do that way too often. Anyway, I want to thank you for deciding to tune in. Not sure what was going on before the show, but <clears throat> seems as though all circuits are running at their optimal speed. Thank you for using your applicable application of choice on your fondle slab of choice, or if you decided to go to ucy.tv slash toe to catch the show, I do appreciate you one and all. Hopefully at some point I will actually have the phones in hand. Haven't quite gotten that yet, but uh, hopefully, hopefully. We'll have that shortly. So, tonight I brought back uh, Lee Bracker, and uh, we're going to bring him on into the conversation here. Boy, it's strange when stuff doesn't quite go as planned. I was actually uh, starting up the Ocelli Effect Twitter feed so that I could tweet, twatter, Twitter, whatever it is at this point in time. Um, We don't need the video, Lee. Okay, there we go. Cool. So, like I said, Lee Bracker's with me, and <laughs> the network was kind of dead there before my show started, so sorry if the bumpers startled anybody. And, of course, that's the uh, the noise at the Starbucks there that uh, Lee's at, <laughs> in case anybody's wondering what all that is. So, Lee, can you hear me all right? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Clear and present. Man, oh, man. Everything, try try and juggle it in the last five minutes before you got to go to air, you know? Yep. So anyway, oh, I did explain that at ucy.tv slash toe, there is all kinds of stuff, including the YouTube uh, playlist, the MP3 downloads, the donate button is there, all that stuff. Uh, there's a news feed, I think, a link to the chat room, a bunch of different methods by which you can listen to the network as well. Don't know if I remember to mention that one, but there you go. So anyway, the topic for tonight's discussion is something that was brought to my attention last year, and uh, I, I kind of just let it go. Uh, I sort of let it go, and then uh, and then Kim brought it back up to me not too long ago, and I decided to sit down and start messing with it my own way and try and figure out what was going on here. Uh, you know, how do we describe this, Lee? There's this, like, sort of viral thing that is going on uh, on YouTube mainly, but in other places on the Internet, regarding these trumpeting noises that are being heard around the planet, these uh, sort of eerie, uh, odd, creaking sort of noises, and some people have attributed it to the shifting in the poles, uh, you know, the whole change of the poles. You know what I'm talking about, right, Lee? Yeah, there's uh, speculation in all different areas, and um, these are people that are just making up stories, basically. You know, they're just reaching out and swatting flies, basically, and missing them. I would, um, what I did was I made my own little analysis. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, And when I sent out my announcements, you know, for the show tonight, you know, people that I know, uh, that I normally make announcements for when I do article and video posts. A couple of people actually wrote back. I didn't expect that, but it was good that I got some feedback. 
um, just so that I can uh, wrap my mind more around the topic. And uh, one of them came from John DiNardo, who's a Planet X person out there. And, um, and another one came from a super soldier that I knew from three years ago when I went to Lorian Fenton's conference out there in Henderson, Nevada. And um, so he, in fact, gave me the best opinion regarding the trumpet sounds and where they actually come from. And I would tend to lean towards his opinion of what the, you know, what the sounds are. And then uh, the Planet X idea isn't <laughs> – I actually debunked that one. Uh, I just couldn't get a solid answer for, you know, oh. Nibiru being the the responsible party in creating these sounds. It just didn't make sense. But you know what? <laughs> if somebody proves it, then, you know, I'll buy that argument too. Well, listen, I'll buy any argument, you know, so long as you have some sort of tangible proof to go with it. I mean, you know, at least partially. I may not fully invest in it, but uh, it is kind of odd, and I do have one of the sounds that I think I can get away with playing. Unfortunately, you put together a nice little uh, a nice little group of these, and uh, I'm afraid to mess with them because here's the thing: we, we have, well we've been through this on my show before with the YouTube thing, so this is why I don't play any copywritten material. I try and avoid it, so <clears throat> because I want to make sure the YouTube video ends up existing. Okay, but uh, but the problem is, of course, that these sounds have been heard all over the place. And like I said, I've got one of them sort of loaded up. I mean, if you want to mute up for a second, I'll play the one I have ready. Oh, boy. And uh, we'll see. Oh, great. Okay, and we do have the phones now, by the way. So if you do want to join in, uh, it's 718-717-8296. We will take calls in a little bit. Give us some time, um, but there's the number, and uh, I want to go over this a little bit and talk about what can be debunked about the uh, about the sounds and about people's speculations regarding them so far. But let's see if I can actually do this. Huh? This would be nice if it'll work. This is from a cell phone video, so you know you have the uh, wind noise to start with and all that. kind of thing and right there is a very minimal sort of example of what it is we're talking about there's actually much more profound uh textured kind of sounds that occur and um every time a phenomena like this appears on the planet it seems to me as though people attempt to adopt it into their own 
oh, I don't know, canon of reasoning regarding uh, the supernatural in one way or another, whether it be by religious dogma or it is by, uh, you know, a set of superstitions, etc. This kind of thing goes on a lot. Um, let's see now. Okay. Well, I'll try and grab that one, too. But the thing is that... Uh, it, it's it's very odd. It's very weird. And some of them, like I said, are extremely uh, just diverse in, in the way they come across. Some of them are a lot more thick and everything else. I mean, would you say I'm accurately describing this, Lee? Sure. <laughs> yeah. They... I'll tell you what I'm doing. I up, I'm uploading right now my file that I guess we can't um, publicly show. But those that are on the chat, you could send this file to them and or just whoever wants it. I'm sending you the file right now. It's almost completely there. And it's four minutes of uh, composite sketch of what we just played or what you just played mm -hmm. with the sounds that come from the films that we'll be talking about where it's very similar. And um, there are about four films where we hear these noises, everything from all the way back in the 70s when they made Close Encounters of the Third Kind, all the way on up through, uh, what's the most recent one then? Well, uh, War probably War of the Worlds. Yeah, the, and... the, the newer version of War of the Worlds has these sounds. Now, I'm thinking, just flipping through my mental Rolodex, also these sounds appear in some of the Godzilla films. Uh, I don't, you know, they're, they're usually, again, mixed into the soundtrack, and sometimes there's music over them, sometimes there's other action happening, but these very same tones, and uh, just sort of like, I don't know, just creepy sort of distorted tones, right? I mean... Um, well, I'm going to describe to you what, what I did, the composite, mm -hmm. of what we hear from the actual recordings that people have taken, with the uh, with the uh, film segments or uh, excerpts that I took from them, with no background music or anything like that, you just hear, you know, the actual uh, you know music effects, sound effects that they put in there. Right. And <clears throat> what I discovered, and it was today, that they match with the 528 hertz frequency. Now, not all of it, but you know, they kind of. Uh, flip to it and so I actually put the uh, 528 hertz frequency in there as an overlay an overtone just to show that they do coincide so that was a fascinating discovery why I didn't think of it before I don't know but you know this is relatively new anyway well you know and what is strange about this too is and not only have we seen it in films before but um honestly i i also passed you a couple of links to a few songs pieces of songs really that are on uh on yeah, some albums. I saw that. Uh, -huh. uh and and those are in the 19 the early 1980s um <clears throat> but there's a bunch of them all over the place where you have you know sort of gothic style music whatever but the one that comes to mind for me because i'm a big black sabbath fan of course are, are are two different pieces from black sabbath one of them was called stonehenge the other is called uh something like uh uh, ES, e, or wait, E5150, which is uh, on the Mob Rules album, but uh, but both of them contain the very same resonant frequency, <laughs> uh, 
believe it or not, that is in the Godzilla films, that is in the War of the World films, and that is actually being seen as this phenomena around the planet. Now, here's the weird thing. Um, of course, not all of the videos are legitimate. Okay, that's this always happens when you have sort of a trending or a viral thing that sort of goes, you know, among a sort of quirky audience. You always find a, a bunch of manufactured crap, too. There's a bunch of them that overlay the same sounds over, you know, sort of mundane cell phone video and things like that. And that happens. Okay, so you can actually find where people have used the very same soundtrack and laid it over top of their cell phone video that they accessed from who knows where, and they're claiming it's in all kinds of places. I mean, the funniest example, of course, is there's one out there claiming to be from Iceland where, uh, where you know, the guy sounds more like he's from Texas than Iceland who actually says something on the video. Oops. You know, uh, they have the same bird chirping in a couple of them. So you have a bunch of hoaxes out there as well. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and that was easy to sort of detect. You know, it didn't take me more than a few minutes to really take a good listen and sort of bank these things in my own mind. See, I'm more of a I'm more of an audio learner than I am a visual learner. I mean, just because of who I am. So it's easy for me to do this. I mean, plus a lot of years. I mean, I've worked in music studios, mixing soundtracks, mixing music together. Um, a lot more than just the heavy metal stuff that gets around on the internet occasionally by me. I did a lot of different things. But the thing is, I mean, even sampling and all of that stuff in the very early days before we had the ease of, uh, you know, the ease of the modern computer age here, we used to have to do this stuff by hand. I mean, I was literally working in studios with, you know, pieces of, uh, well, pieces of like, say, two and a quarter inch wide uh, uh, <laughs> reel to reel tape. You know, and, uh, and and something that looks a lot like scotch tape and a razor blade editing things together at certain points, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I understand this from a very rudimentary sort of level. But what's funny is now in the modern age, we're seeing more and more of this kind of stuff where people can play around with it. And, yeah, that creates a lot of hoax videos out there. It happens. But the problem is I can't categorize all of these as a hoax. I, in my case, I don't worry about whether they're hoaxes or not. I mean, although it is important, there's another concept that not many people really um, account for, and I could describe it with another analogy. Uh, what we're talking about tonight are these trumpet sounds, and people can get out there and fabricate a hoax and whatever. But nonetheless, they're out there, and people are looking at this, and they're listening to these sounds. And what that is doing is indoctrinating them, conditioning them, imprinting in their minds the sounds that may be heard during the proposed fake alien invasion, which is uh, the government black project called Project Bluebeam. And, um, well, <clears throat> when I talk about what Tyler sent me what he thinks, then uh, it'll probably make more sense uh, regarding that issue in the sense that these sounds are supposed to uh, groom us into the belief that we are having a fake alien invasion, the sounds coming from the uh, UFOs. Well, I'll tell you now, he sent me a, um, a video mm -hmm. of people actually videotaping at nighttime UFOs. It looked like three lights out there. But the background sounds were these trumpet noises. They were hearing them from these UFOs. And it was authentic. I mean, these guys weren't out there 
course, and around, mm-hmm. you know, in the laboratory, <laughs> in the sound mixing studio, trying to edit up a fraud. You know that what they, not a lot of people really truly have the skills to do this stuff. You know, I know that I do. I can I can put something out there that looks pretty authentic. I think Mark D'Antonio would be able to spot that off because <laughs> he's really good at, at anyway. Here's an idea. It's just going to be sort of uh, shoot from the hip off topic, but it actually is part of the topic regarding uh, fraudulent material that goes out there on the Internet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's, it's all part of the uh, mental psyops, media psyops, to keep people in the condition of, you know, these things happening. I, I ask people, what do you think the beheadings are, the ISIS beheadings are? Mm-hmm. Do you think that they're actually doing it um the videos that we've seen are some of them fake or some of them real which ones are fake which ones real and please share your opinion with me what why you think that they're a youtube who won't even let you show something for an educational purpose because it versions on copyright why are they showing four five six seven eight nine ten year old eleven year old kids they have the opportunity to see this stuff for some pornography, if you think about it, they're showing a head being being shaved off the shoulders of another human being. You know, and so why do they allow that out there? Well, I think there is a absolute reason why they do it. They want these kids to learn how to do it. All they have to do is see it one time. Say, oh, get them drunk or you drug them, and then you know, get them so docile that you just take a very short machete and. Just slice right through the back of the neck till you get the head off. Heads will be rolling. Though you know, once we're disarmed here in America, how do you how do you truly kill somebody without having to stab them fifteen times? <laughs> Just off their head and get it done, right? Well, right. that's what they're doing. So, regardless of whether or not those videos are faked or not, they when I say they, it's the powers that be that allow this shit out there. Excuse my language. Sorry. It's to give it an instructional on how to do it. Because 15 years of video game training, you know, from five years old to 18 when they are military age, mm-hmm. they'll have all the knowledge and tools to be little war machines. Just get them to shoot one person once. And now they're off rolling. Well, right, because they can bridge the desensitized virtual into the reality. You know, this, right. this this is the uh, you know the conditioning that's brought to you by you know all of those all of those video games. I mean, everything from uh, uh, you know the the Grand Theft Auto series uh, onto the Black Ops series is all of this stuff is is meant to condition people, and and it's part of a much wider psyop. This is this is the thing, and and I'm willing to even throw out something stranger, which is that. The reason why these sounds appeared in, uh, like, say, heavy metal music, say they did appear in gothic music and things like that, the reason why producers were more than happy to allow that stuff out is because that resonant frequency has a significance, um, has a sort of occult significance as well. Okay? So what you have is those that are seeking other realities, Okay, not just, you know, from the the UFO standpoint, but also in the cult circles. These things are 
very, very good mechanisms by which you can condition somebody. Not only the direct, very uh, simple act of desensitizing somebody, but also resonant frequencies in certain patterns do trigger reactions in the brain. This is, you know, it's just part of what happens. This is the stuff that they learned, you know, with the MK Ultras and the artichokes and the deltas and all of this stuff. Um, when you combine the two things, what do you get? <laughs> you get a heavy amount of mind control that is not, you know, the obvious intersplicing of images uh, in, a, in, an, in an obsequious fashion, uh, you know, within media, you know, uh, the whole perpetuating the concepts as a general sort of open discussion point in the psychology uh, regarding stuff like the ISIS beheadings. But this is more than one facet going on here. You know, this is, this is a multi-layered operation, extremely sophisticated. And um, I know that this resonant frequency is of great interest because... Uh, my studies of the occult when I was younger led me all over the place. And I mean everywhere from, you know, the the smallest little uh, kind of, what, what, what should we call them? I don't know, uh, cul-de-sac type, you know, miniaturized uh, cult settings that you get with disenfranchised kids, or at least you used to in the 80s and 90s, all the way to the Temple of Set, you know, which... I'm sure you know something about the Temple of Set uh, on the West Coast over there, <laughs> based in San Francisco. But at one point, I was in contact with them as well. There was a whole really weird nexus of stuff that went on there that I think was the groundwork for what we're, you know, the, the laying the groundwork, laying the foundation for what we see today as well. And during this stuff, one of those things that was sort of prolific throughout, you know, the the practices of you know, ritual Satanism, not as it exists today, but ritual Satanism, as well as a lot of darker sort of new age stuff, uh, like, like what they try and sell as Wiccan at this point, which is really a perversion of old pagan customs and things like that. And, uh, and, and a virtual underground of individuals have all been sort of, well, steeped in this kind of stuff already. And in deep meditation, one can find these resonant frequencies and experience them in a different way besides just hearing them. I mean, in your normal conscious mind, you're allowed to absorb them, you know, by the device of your hearing and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, how insane do I sound, Lee? I'm sorry, I was on mute. Um, well, I wanted to make a comment first. Um, you're talking about resonant frequencies mm -hmm. and that they're embedded in the uh, military satanic uh, cult church, the Temple of Set. Mm -hmm. Incidentally, we've got the Temple of Set there in the Grand Canyon, too, the monument. Yes, you do. And I wouldn't doubt if there's an underground base in there, too, but that's a whole other show right there. The um, resonant frequencies that you're talking about um, are not clarified yet, but I'll just make a comment. When you're looking at the Solvegio tones, and there's a set of them, one of them happens to be the uh, 440 frequency, the other one, the 528 hertz. Okay. The 528 hertz is a study that I did, and I think I effectively resulted with uh, what the answer to that is. It's the gates that open up the hell within a human body. 
to allow evil spirits to enter. And that's what these satanic cults are doing. They're coding people by um, installing these um, recordings in water molecules, and our bodies are 60 to 90% water. So they do that, and without getting too complex about it, that's what they're doing. But those are the same tones that we're finding in the music industry, in particular with uh, these girls that are out there now, The what we call the MK Ultras, playing all the music. We talked about that, right? No, we didn't really get into that, but yeah, you can find this stuff embedded and mixed deep if you can separate the track a little bit. You yeah, can actually, and there are, yeah. there are these specific frequencies. One of them is the 528 hertz, and when I put together this file that I posted, I hope, did you get it? I, so I've, got it. Can, I've got it. I'm trying to put it into the chat room, but what I'm going to do is probably offer this thing up through another another way. Okay. We're, we're, we're going to make sure that this thing gets out. I'm going to distribute this. But, yeah, it's important, but if it can't get out there, two things can happen. One is I'm going to post an article with this thing in there, so I'll, I'll take care of that. That will free you up from any copyright infringement. They're not going to go after me. i got a Vimeo account, and, um, and if they do, I'll put it up on my Drive Google account. No big deal. I'm getting learned on how to not get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I need to take my, that class, but... Anyway. Uh, just just talk to Mike Vera, and he'll be glad to educate you. Okay. Yeah, he's the one that had my Vimeo account removed. Nice. He and Sherry Kane Leonard, and those guys are promoting the 528 hertz frequency. I, I caught him on that. Um, back to what we're doing here. Oh, any listener out there can do this on their own. It's how I did it. You just Google search for the films, um, well, Jurassic Park. Sound effects. Oh, Listen Jurassic Park is one I forgot. Yeah, Jurassic Park. Uh, like I said, Godzilla, you can find it in there. I don't know if you found Probably. it. No, I didn't even think of that, but okay. It's in there. Yeah. I'll put something together. Then uh, today, just short of the show, I realized, wow, I didn't even think of Close Encounters of Third Kind towards the end of the movie. And there is uh, YouTube endings, you know, when the uh, UFO is communicating with the military there. They're sharing sounds, frequencies. So it goes into its resonant um, similarities to what we're, what we're listening to, these recordings that people have taken all over the world. And then you have um, War of the Worlds is the closest one. Listen to the sound. Just type in War of the Worlds sound effects, or better yet, tripod sound effects, because that's what those big, objects were with the three-legged walkers oh right right they call them tripods tripod sound effects and compare them just do a you know back and forth thing and that's all you need don't need no fancy video for me but i'm putting one out there with the graphics too and probably a little narrative of me explaining where and what we're listening to and i put in the 528 hertz frequency i put that in there what else did I do? Well, but my point about explaining what I was explaining is that there is also a dark natural tone which shares similarities to this as well that one can find when they're involved in certain uh, levels of self-hypnosis, uh, in, in certain levels of meditation <clears throat> that are encouraged by the individuals we're talking about with this whole, you know, allegedly satanic, uh, uh, you know, group all right, they're not really Satanists anyway. <laughs> There's something else is what they are. 
but um, but they're definitely not not looking to do good things for anybody. And uh, and and you you can do this. I'm telling you, you can find this and experience that particular tone, which you know we we can identify with this 528 hertz tone uh, uh, through certain techniques. There is a way of doing it. I, I shudder to even begin to describe to anybody because it does take you into a very strange place if you actually apply, you know, standard sort of meditation techniques and then uh, get yourself into a particular area and you apply these uh, these things, which, like I said, I was exposed to when I was younger. Um, it's, I mean, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but it's real, <laughs> You know, I, I found it funny when, uh, like I said, I was a big Black Sabbath fan, and uh, and they had these resonant tones in these sort of uh, really for non-sequitur type of musical pieces that were just sort of contained on their albums. And uh, when they were played on the vinyl, they probably more accurately struck the tone. Now that they've been uh, transferred to digital, it sort of changes the tone a bit. But uh, the way that they would come across on vinyl was probably even more... Um, even more authentic to what I could find in that meditative state. Uh, nevertheless, there there is a real purpose behind this, and the fact that it is also contained in modern pop music, except it's buried. It's buried so that it's more on a subconscious level, and uh, sometimes, again, buried in tracks that have nothing to do with anything that don't seem to be speaking to this stuff you know, at least with the Black Sabbath uh, 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 records, you had, you know, the the possibility that it was uh, introducing you into something that was sort of dark, moody, gloomy, etc. Um, you know, but not, not so obvious nowadays. And again, with these action sequences and these movies that are talking about everything from, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind to Godzilla to War of the Worlds, you have the introduction of aliens, supernatural beings, and things like that being associated with these tones, and this does create a certain reaction in the human mind. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. You know Katy Perry, right? Sure. And that song that she came out with, uh, Selling Soul to the Devil or whatever? Mm-hmm. What's, what's the title of that song? I can't remember it off the top of my head. I'm not a big Katy Perry fan, but, yeah. yeah. Well, basically, that song is completely harmonized with the 528 hertz frequency. I, I keep bringing that up um, just because it's pretty big news, really, in my area. No, I want people to search. I want people to search that out and to find out what it actually does. And, and and really examine it for themselves. Again, you know, you can go down a lot of very strange rabbit holes here, but this is one of those things where it kind of struck me again because I saw it in 2014 and put it aside, you know. Uh, but then when, when, like I said, when Kim brought it up not too long ago to me again and was showing it to me and asking me to explain it because, you know, people are ascribing a lot of supernatural meaning to it uh, from all different sides of the equation. Okay, you can probably get a a a, a, a pagan's meaning about this, or you can probably get a Christian uh, sort of mystic's ideas about these things, and there'll be all sorts of all over the map. I mean, everything from this is the uh, the angels tuning up their trumpets, you know, to uh, 
to this is the the planet groaning from the pain it's in uh and and i've seen all of that and plus there is the concept of that other planet causing uh causing a magnetic difficulty with our planet um there's all sorts of theories out there regarding this Well, I'd like to share what I learned from people that I know, what their opinions are, because I'm sure there are listeners out there that want to know what others think. Right. And, and, I, uh, and, I, and now I do have the phones, by the way, and if you guys want to begin to join in on this conversation and, you know, we'll be we'll, – we'll try and keep things in order and all that. 718-717-8296. I do have the phones. The lines are open. So – Anytime you want to join in on this, go right ahead. Sorry, Lee, go ahead. Okay. Well, one came in and said that, uh, Lee, I'll just read it. Alex McKaney, I believe is, uh, I've never met this person, so I'll just say Alex McKaney says that in the ancient past, when Nibiru was passing by Earth on its gravitational rendezvous with the sun, loud ear-splitting trumpeting sounds were heard. It seems that large cruising objects will create atmospheric disturbances when their accompanying comets and asteroids enter Earth's atmosphere. It makes sense. When I was in the Marine Corps and was pulling up and down targets on the rifle range, bullets whizzing over my head sounded like whistles. If you can verify that these trumpeted sounds are changing pitch, then you can pretty much prove that passing objects are making these trumpeting sounds. And then I replied to that person. I said, well, thank you. That's one of the theories that can have plausibility. With the shutdown of the jet streams and the chemtrailing, who knows for sure, but that may support Alex Kenney. Perhaps for the last two years, it's been reported, and now pretty much no new sightings being reported. In other words, you know those trumpet noises that are posted on YouTube? I don't think anybody's recording any new ones, are they? Well, I have ones that uh, that state they were recorded in 2015, but uh, I'm not sure. You know, I do see that uh, there's new uploads from one month ago, two months ago, that these were new uploads, but I'm not quite sure because it's kind of difficult to check, you know, from a random piece of cell phone video uh, uh, for markers of the exact date and all that, you know. Okay. Well, I pretty much go on to explain, you know, that we've heard these trumpeting noises, and the person is suggesting that it's part of Nibiru passing past the sun through our solar system mm-hmm. from the South Pole to the North Pole, that direction. Um, with the other claim that Nibiru hasn't even passed yet, but yet we're hearing these trumpeting noises. And his reply to me, I won't even read it, I'll just uh, paraphrase it. He, he basically said that they're the objects that, that pretty much follow with Nibiru that are in front of it that have done that. So, yeah, you know, you could theorize that that's happening too. But it would have to be some sort of magnetic disturbance to do it because I don't think these objects are passing through our atmosphere creating these noises. And um, here, let me read down further. Well, they don't necessarily have to pass through the atmosphere to create a a problem with the magnetosphere uh, that that could co- possibly change the pressure, cause like a creaking noise, uh, you know, on the plates on the Earth. <laughs> 
you know, so this is a, a possibility that doesn't necessarily have to be discounted because, you know, we don't have atmospheric penetration of, uh, of these objects, although we do have, you know, objects that penetrate the atmosphere all the time. I'm not saying that uh, that this is necessarily part of it or not. What I'm saying is that if something were to pass through the magnetosphere and have a very strong magnetic effect, which could cause like a distortion in it, we've had it open up, we've had it change and shift around in some odd ways in recent years. But if an object came through and sort of forcibly caused something to happen rather suddenly, uh, that could actually create a resonant noise too, I think. Sure. Theoretically. Those that are capturing this on video would have to see something in the skies or somebody nearby, even if it was 100 miles away, mm-hmm. would have reported a sighting of a meteor, a meteorite, something blazing through the sky. Well, the earliest sighting during, could... during I'm sorry to interrupt, but during yeah. the, um, I didn't mean that, but I just wanted to finish my thought there. Go ahead. During the videotaping that somebody else had taken without having capturing because they were too far away, who knows? But I don't believe that that's what's causing the noises. So I pretty much cancel out the whole Nibiru theory. So that's one of them out there. And I just wanted to, you know, propose that or show that to people that are listening that may contemplate that and just want to call in and say, no, you're wrong. It's Planet X. Yeah, I don't think it is. I don't think it's any, any debris following with it, nothing. So anyway, I got another another text from a friend of mine, and he says that that well, actually, he sent me a video, and I already explained it at the beginning of the show that um, while the filming of UFO lights, they heard those sounds. So it's plausible, more so, that it's coming from military or actual alien IFO and UFOs. Well, okay, that's that's one thing. There's also the fact that these things are very lightly heard in some of the footage. Have you seen the uh, the footage from 2013? I'm I'm not sure if it was January, February, or March, but I think it was I think it was January of 2013, uh, where they had this uh, pretty good light show near Belarus. Um, you know, the former Soviet Union area, it's kind of hard to describe exactly which part of the sky it was really over, but apparently filmed, like, with cell phones by Belarus. And uh, and there's also this resonant noise. It's not as profound there, but, uh, but there was this light show that was, you know, allegedly caused by a meteorite or some sort of fireball that they couldn't, um, you know that they couldn't really account for, that they didn't really predict was going to happen, but uh, but seemed to give them a pretty good light show over there. Have you seen that yet? No. No, I haven't seen that. Okay. Well, it, to try and take a look for it sometime, because it, it's very, very faint. It's very subtle in the video, but they had the, the original, like, you know, like I said, cell phone video of that, uh-huh. uh, <clears throat> in between people, you know, actually speaking in Russian, uh, you got uh, you got some of those noises that I think I can hear in the background. Maybe it's me. I don't know. You guys go check it out and see what you think. But uh, but also seems to be if it was some sort of disturbance, you know, based on a meteorite, it doesn't necessarily have to be tied to the Planet X theory. It doesn't necessarily have to be tied to a particular comet or anything else. This could be a random rock that happened to uh, again have a magnetic force on it that just happened to pass close enough to the planet to cause this. You know, 
And uh, but then I question why is it tuned <laughs> to a particular frequency? I matched it. Ah, see, so now you've got something going on there, and it just that, derail. It just derails all that. Oh, I know. That's but that's why I set it up so you can knock it down. <laughs> <laughs> because here's the thing: then you have to question. Why is it that we have this all within this particular uh, spectrum, you know, within a particular frequency? Why is this reoccurring in that frequency? And then, of course, there's the secondary issue of it being distributed like it is all over the Internet. Um, This stuff has been, I know YouTube is where it's most uh, easily seen, but uh, there's other social networking stuff where, you know, I think there's some Vine videos with it on it, uh, I don't know if Pinterest got it yet, but I mean, a bunch of different things out there. Uh, there's actually videos floating around all over the place of this stuff. And again, like I said, some of it seems to be hoaxed. But, uh, but you know, again, if you can eliminate 90% of it and you've still got 10%, uh, it's still pretty significant that these odd noises are being heard. And why is it that they're in that particular frequency? So we're once again back to the... What happened? Is this actually something that's being done purposely? Because after all, again, like I said, it's in the movies, it's in the music, um, and, and not just the old music, but in the newer stuff. I bet you if we sit and we dissect a lot of pop songs, <laughs> we'll probably find this tone uh, you know, in, in certain cycles and everything else. And then there might be a significant to the uh you know, to the repetition, to the amount of cycles that the that the particular tone is in and everything else. And, I mean, this is a whole decoding project that um, I guess somebody could undertake, and I don't know. I, I've seen a couple of things that people posted where they tried to, you know, take a look at it and examine it and analyze it, but uh, but nobody's done a really stellar job so far, in my estimation. Okay, well, I guess I got my job cut out for me. I'll do it. Uh, I, something I I'd like you to, might. <laughs> something I'd like to ask you. Um, sure. Do you watch films, a lot of them, or see some of the most um, prominent ones? Nowadays, not so much, no. I, w- okay, I would say, go ahead. You've seen Hunger Games? No, I haven't. Oh, really? Okay. No, most most popular films for the past, I would say, 10 years, I've probably missed the majority of them. Okay, well, I highly recommend that um, – I'll recommend the ones to watch so that we can talk about them next time. But um, one of the things that's going to happen here in the United States is that they're going to remove our sovereign right to travel freely by our own automobiles. At some point, they're just going to raise the you know, gas price to some astronomical thing and the, you know, just – Nobody likes to fly anymore, and all you know, all of those overturned luxury liners. That was all part of the, you know, making people uncomfortable with flying or floating, you know. And then they'll make them uncomfortable with driving their own car. It would be too expensive or too many restrictions, that kind of thing. They want to move people into travel modality by rail, and we see a lot of that happening now. And the book Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand indicates that very clearly as part of the uh, the book tells. When I analyze film, I call it Hollywood tells. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in literature, I call it like the literature tells. They're showing us what the future is going to be. Hunger Games, 
You know, they're showing us what, uh, it, you know, what happened in Rome when they were feeding people to the lions, and the Colosseums and stuff like that. That's what it was all about. Well, not all about, but a lot of it was that. Now I'm going to share with you a concept because it has to do with rail, mm-hmm. railroads. In a lot of films that have come out, like Hugo was one of them. Um, then there was one that was just that. It was called uh, The Polar Express. It was an animated film for kids. Oh, yeah. Tom Hanks played the voice of the conductor. They get a lot of feedback. They're getting loud here. It's it's so-so. It's all right. Go ahead. And it manageable? Okay. Yep. Just makes people hungry for th- or thirsty for coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so, which is cool. The... Um, the sound of the trains are all alike. They're all similar. Oh, there was one. Um, it was a film that came out, came and left. One of those took place in World War One, And I did an article on it. I'll have to look at it to remember the title of it. War Horse. It was called War Horse. Okay. In there, too, they have this, the, the, the trainer of the horse used the whistle of a horn sound. I mean, of a train sound. Instead of, you know, whistling like a normal person would, Mm. it was the train whistle to train the horse to be a workhorse or to whatever it was. You have to see the movie (laughs) to understand it. But the common thread, the common denominator in many of these films is homage to railroads and trains, travel by train, and it's part of the subtle conditioning when kids watch these movies, because they are movies made for kids, most of them, mm-hmm. at the time when we get into martial law, border closures, uh, Third World War, all that stuff, it, I think by 2018, they're going to really start ramping up our rail system here, moving us towards that kind of travel that they want those kids at military age, I was say, you know, just that generation... Uh, that is the the signal, that sound of the train, the old-fashioned train. Not, I'm not talking about your diesel, but the, mm. old, the other one. They'll be familiar with that, which links them to the sound of a diesel horn, air horn or whatever, instead of the steam horn. Anyway, which, which means kinda, you could resurrect a lot of the uh, a lot of the infrastructure which has been seemingly abandoned uh, over the years, uh, uh, you know, along the rails in this country. There's a whole lot of rail system which, again, is just like I said, seemingly abandoned. But, oh, I know. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what they're doing here is they're creating a neo-Nazi rail system in Tucson, where I live, and they acquire the right of way. Nobody realizes that's what they did. They just call it a walk-in. A scenic walk and bike path, and it goes six miles. And that scenery that you're looking at is uh, dilapidated um, storage facilities and, you know, just junk wrecking yards, you know, like you're in the bad side of town, right, wrong side of the tracks. And on the other side, you're looking at the freeway, so it's not a scenic route at all, and nobody would want to go down there anyway. But that's what they did because it's abandoned rail that they haven't done a thing to it. It was ten million dollars, but they called it a multi-million dollar pro, multi-million, uh, ten million multi-year project to make this scenic route. Mm-hmm. They don't want to put any of that money into it. 
that got diverted somewhere else. But what they're going to do in the, you know, FEMA concentration camps start sprouting up and we're moved from our travel by car to modality by rail, then um, they'll have that to FEMA concentration camps and things, whatever they do. And they're all linked, incidentally, to federal facilities. They're all along this line. Yeah, that's the interesting so. part about the, a lot of the abandoned railways in a lot of parts of the country, actually. <clears throat> There's all sorts of uh, uh, readily available uh, storage facilities that are under federal control uh, all along these rail railways, which, <clears throat> you know, as I said, are really underused or not, or not even in use at all in some places. Um, there's plenty of these things sort of laying in wait. It's it's not necessarily the old military bases alone that have been closed and refitted and uh, all that. There's actually plenty of uh, <clears throat> plenty of interesting storage spaces all along these rail lines, and uh, all you need then is a way to monitor the trains. And of course, you'd have to have them function via diesel because you wouldn't want to have an electric rail system that could be interrupted. Uh, so long as the rail is not broken in and of itself, you've got uh, you've got a workable uh, plan of uh, transportation. So that's interesting, especially because you know they they have sort of leaned back a bit on uh, on that pressure that they had on the general public regarding the uh, the cost of fuel for their individual vehicles uh you know if you notice the amount of travel the amount of like say optional travel had gone down in this country a great deal during the time that we had such expensive gas prices for us mind you because in Europe they've had this sort of control for a long time where you know one liter of gasoline was the equivalent you know to much more than uh, than what it is we are paying here and have been paying and even at our highest price in recent history uh the european price was a lot higher but like i said uh, if there was sort of a reduction here and I'm wondering if it's sort of to uh, loosen the the cuffs a bit on the American society uh, in general, just temporarily to make people think that things might be improving right before it really ramps back up and they have another excuse to jack up the price of fuel. And, uh, you know, who knows, further incursions in the Middle East, interruption of, uh, of supply lines based on different actions in other countries, things like this could easily be seized upon as the exact point for which, you know, your gas will suddenly double and triple, uh, you know, in in the space of a month. <clears throat> what do you think about that? Well, I think it was twofold. What they did was they had to uh, insure the Russian oil trade by making our, you know, gas prices very low. Uh, I don't know exactly how that works, but I, I've heard it talked about. But... Um, you know, they could raise or lower the prices of oil simply with the flick of a switch with no reason at all. But just like disclosure, there's timing with all this. They do it. So I would suspect that it's in lines with the, what you just said. You know, get people to be comfortable with something because it's affordable. And you had a rise in uh, car sales because gas prices have been so low. People are not thinking about the future because they, they don't understand the the, um, the dynamics of how these diabolical plants work. Mm. So they're not thinking that their expensive car that they think they can afford now because gas prices are so low 
they're getting expensive cars, and then they're paying eight, ten dollars a gallon here, Tucson. I know it's a little ex- more expensive around the country. I think we're probably one of the lowest. So I don't know what you guys are paying out there, <clears throat> but here it's like just close to two dollars a uh, a gallon, like two thirty, two forty. I try to look across the street to see what sign says. It's about the same but, thing um, here. I, yeah. Oh, okay. But watch it, four and five dollars. People are so broke that they can't even afford to, you know, spend any money. So what do they do? Okay, well, they park the car and then they start taking public transportation. Once that stops, then they'll go to rail. There's going to be a shift. I'm looking at the bigger picture in the future, so I don't really look at the surface issues that's happening now, or try to you know figure out why they're doing it. I just know that that's their logistics, their planning. Yeah, well, the, I figure I figure that's the relaxed point that they're giving us. Uh, you know, up until 2016 and post-election. So that by 2018, circumstances can be ramped back up. They can, you know, during the year of 2017, they can engage us in other things across the planet that cause the excuse for the change in the uh, in the fuel prices that wind up jacking us up, you know, again toward the end of 2017 going into 2018 and then you have a serious crisis i mean if all of a sudden gas is now ten dollars a gallon as opposed to the five that it was at or the four that it was at you know not too long ago and the two something that it's at now that's going to immobilize a significant uh, segment of the population because it'll simply be absolutely unaffordable and especially with People buying up those used larger vehicles that were around that required so much more fuel from a few years ago during that uh, binge of buying that occurred with the SUV market skyrocketing uh, late 90s and going into, you know, just around post uh, 9-11 time, right? Uh, We have a lot of these older vehicles around that a, a, a more significant number of the less fortunate end of the population is going to be completely immobilized just based on that. Because how much gas are you going to be able to put into a vehicle? And then, of course, the resonant price increases that are going to come from uh, from the fact that the fuel has gone up. You know, fuel surcharges will be added to deliveries for your local stores, so therefore your meat prices skyrocket, so therefore your dairy prices skyrocket because they require continuous shipping, continuous trucking, this kind of thing. This is the way this works, and this is how pressure is put from one segment of the economy onto the rest. So it seems to me to be a sound strategy, actually, that uh, that could be unfolding. This is just the, the point of lulling us into a a state of calm before the real storm hits you know this is sort of on its way to the eye of the storm uh before we actually get hit with the real deal of it you know i mean that's what i see anyway right but we have kind of digressed way away from the uh the the fact that this uh this particular frequency is being served up around the planet not only through viral videos but through the uh the music industry the films industry 
I bet if we look hard enough, we can find this thing being utilized all over the place and uh, probably in a lot of subliminal paths as well. Like, uh, you know, I noticed that my son, who is not speaking yet, has he turns his attention to certain things, uh, is sort of frozen by certain things that seem to be innocuous sounds that come up uh, when commercial videos play. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know if you know anything about that, but I think there's actually a lot of this resonant tone is being injected into some of these like innocuous commercials, like uh, you know, for for cable companies and uh, and for car insurance companies and things like that. You know, the stuff you can't escape if you use the internet anywhere. Uh, my son will turn, whip his head, and stop even throwing a fit, and he's only 11 months old. At, at the sounds of some of these videos. And it seems, you know, to my ear, I'm only hearing, you know, mild piano music, which is embedded in it, which is way underneath the narrator, which is underneath the sound effects, which is meant to just sort of give an ambient kind of mood to the background. But, uh, but I'm wondering if I can find these particular frequencies in those commercials as well i i i think i'm gonna have to take some time and dissect it what do you think well i think that children can hear better than uh we do at an older age i know that um i grew up being an audiophile meaning i had an appreciation for music because i could really really hear all of the subtle subtlety in music interesting i can't recite any lyrics from any song except for maybe jingle bells but it's the music and it's uh imprinted in my mind and i wish i was a musician you know i could get out there and play the piano without music i just remember it so a child yeah they can embed these sounds in there to keep them interested in whatever just repetitive sounds that they see or hear in the toys that they enjoy video games that they're playing, and there's no change. When you look at video games, we'll just do that real quick, it's all the same thing, just different, uh, packaged differently, different wardrobes, different scenes, but they're all doing the same thing, pulling triggers and pointing here and there and going down corridors and whatever. The, the familiar things are just so basic that that's what captures their interest. And when we look at color, what they've done in our media, and it happens starting, I think, with Fox Network mm-hmm. during the uh, Trade Center Tower fiasco, they changed their whole look, and, and all of media started following that format of red, white, blue, and black. Right. Red, white, blue, and black. So you have the colors of the United States with the color of Satan worshiping black. And um, that's very evident in all the films today. Now, uh, I remember watching the old films that were made in Technicolor, just beautiful, way back in the day. Film was beautiful, so colorful, vibrant. Now they're subdued gray and blue. But what they're doing is they're following a, um, a schematics, a color chart, which is actually prison colors. And they're all the same, slate gray and blue. And then the highlight color is orange. That's what we wear when we go to jail and prison. We're wearing, what do they call them, prison orange, jail orange? Yeah, so it's, no. orange, it's orange, gray, and blue. Um, 
Look at Hunger Games. All of it is filmed with the blue hues. They take out all the color, but just leave you with that. Denim jean blue, and so the subservient people are, you know, that's how they do it. But the elite, you know, when they cut to those scenes, they're vibrant colors, so they they uh, switch to something that looks good because they want the people to admire that, to engage lust maybe after the fact that if they were an elitist, they could have that. It's uh, the, the vibrant colors suggest that there's uh, wealth attached to it, safety, when in truth it's not. And... Um, Many, many films are just, they take the color out of it. <clears throat> They're making everything generic mm. enough so that the basic tones and colors become the most familiar to us. And we're being coded. We're being trained like a dog. Sit, roll over, play dead. Simple things like that. Well, see, but, that's the thing. The, the reason why I stopped watching films about a decade ago is because I see things in a slightly different spectrum than an average person, and they started every last film was giving me pain to watch it. It was hurting, <laughs> okay? Because of the cinematography, the way it's designed at this point, it, it's uncomfortable for me to watch it. You know, uh, any, any any of the stuff that's main mainline Hollywood was just painful to watch. There were certain, there's a certain frequency and color that was just becoming uncomfortable for me personally you know not, not only that but of course you know I'm, I'm also fond of complaining about how they keep reloading the same old concepts and <clears throat> resurrecting different storylines and you know how many times are we going to see superman begin from the beginning how many times are we going to see batman redone how many times are we going to see you know everything done over and over again uh, so repetition, a lack of originality com combined with the visual aspect, which is literally physically uncomfortable for me to experience. So <clears throat> I think that change started somewhere around 2004, 2005. Okay. Sounds about right. Because that's where I noticed that, that discomfort that I had. If you like the show from yesterday, wait till you hear one from the good old days. You're listening com. Another thing that they're doing, just a side note, is when they remaster music or remaster video uh, movies, old movies, mm -hmm. in music, they're actually, I think, re, um, they're harmonizing the music so that it does go to the 440 or 528 hertz frequency. I'd have to kind of go in and research that a little bit more. But I know that in some of the older films, when they remaster them, they actually airbrush and spray paint and do whatever they do, video editing. They lay in chemtrails when chemtrails didn't exist at the level that they do today. Of course, they were experimenting since, what, the 50s? Mm. But, you know, when they're filming movies, usually it's beautiful. The skies are completely blue, dark blue. Thomas, where you see black. That's what I remember when I was growing up. Now we see the turquoise-colored sky, global dimming, all that stuff. But you see chemtrails practically every day. And um, I'm looking at remastered, you know, 20-year 
what do they call it, 20-year anniversary movies? <laughs> they got these Kentros. How did that happen? Because the campaigns didn't really take full effect until 97, 98-ish. Well, yeah, which movies are, you know, I've heard this before, but I haven't actually cited it myself in, a, in an old movie that I've seen, you know, remastered. What, what movies are we talking about? Um, it's been a while since I looked at that in my chemtrail analysis days. But um, one that I wanted to get was uh, Easy Rider because the anniversary edition of it, see chemtrails up there. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding. Wow. I'm not kidding. They're not serious clouds. Incidentally, they're not training the kids about meteorology the way I was taught in general science classes when I was in grade school, junior high. They call it middle school now, and mm-hmm. it's just I, I learned what scientists learn, but what the kids are getting is uh, they're grooming them to learn that. I remember in third third graders were given books printed by Monsanto, you know, to get them to continue eating GMO corn and everything else. That it's okay, absurd. And this is the this is the the point of normalization where you know they, they'll they'll even go backwards to sort of re-inject things into history to introduce uh, bits and pieces into historical documents, even though it's only, you know, sort of on a pop culture level. Uh, Easy Rider, that's amazing. I never I never heard about that before. I got, I got to check that out. You have to get the old VHS tape somehow and then make a comparison to the uh, the anniversary edition of it. So that's one, and there are others. I can't remember the name of it, but, you know, they actually literally airbrushed the uh, a commercial jet flying by with a chemtrail coming out of it. And it was a commercial jet. It wasn't a uh, military tanker that would, dis- you know, the chemical dispersants. Was, and people just don't get it. They don't see it. I do because I was so familiar with the whole chemtrail campaign when it first came out and talked to various people who were making films on that. Mm. Anyway, they modify things. You know how they get parents to learn, re-educate parents? It's in a way that not 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 many people would think about, but it makes sense. A child goes home with homework. Mm-hmm. The parent looks at that and says, that's not in their mind. They're not saying it to the kid. <laughs> so they do, but I wouldn't. I would look at that, be embarrassed, because I don't understand what they're bringing home to me, mm-hmm. and say, excuse me, um, let me think about this, take the book, read the damn chapter, learn what the kid's supposed to learn, because I don't want my child to get a failing grade. So that's how they educate me to learn what's new and then accept it right because you, subtle exception of it you start to question what it was that you learned you know uh, maybe, maybe i didn't learn this correctly the first time around okay i guess this is the modern understanding so this must be the most up-to-date realistic thing that kind of deal Funny you say that because um, <clears throat> I got kids in a couple of age groups, and one of them brought me books to explain things to me, and I said, "This is just ridiculous. What they're trying to impress upon you, this is just false." 
I, I don't know what else to tell you. you. This is what the answers are according to what you're supposed to learn. But I want you to understand this is not true. Now, the funny thing is, of course, because they don't live with me. They live with their mother, and their mother is completely immersed in the Matrix. <laughs> okay. Uh, they just think, you know, Dad's nuts. But I tried to explain to them, and I will explain to my son now if I get the chance, that, uh, you know, this is this is the reality, son. <laughs> what they're teaching you... You need to learn it so you can answer your questions correctly, but you're going to have to have a dual understanding of things. This is the reality they're forcing upon you, and this is the actual reality. So I don't think a lot of parents will take that time out of, you know, ego and not wanting to appear foolish, not wanting to appear uneducated to their young ones. They would probably just acquiesce to the new version of the information. That's an interesting thought. I never considered that. It's all part of the re-education protocol. Mm. That's what they'll do in FEMA concentration camps, re-educate people. First people they're going to take are those that don't pay their bills, uh, those that don't pay what they should, um, child support and all that. And that's how they... Are you still there, Charles? Yeah, I'm still here. I just muted for a second. I just had to cough, that's all. <laughs> so, uh, Somebody was asking me a question, and I had to break. Ah, no problem. But uh, you were saying that uh, the, the idea that they're going to gather up people that have not gone along with the program regarding child support and all of these sorts of things... Uh, that's a little more real than some people understand as well. If you're not paying the particular bills that have been prescribed by the street, by the state, excuse me, by the state, if you're not paying your share according to what they have deemed it necessary for you to pay on a lot of different levels, that's who goes first for certain. And if they consider you a threat, then of course they're going to reeducate you there too. And if you don't comply, well, I don't know what's going to happen. I do know this. They're not going to have enough outlets in these concentration camps. They're going to try to make it look like they're a place that you could go uh, during, oh gosh, they got the flooded in Houston. Mm. Where do those people go to? Uh, they're not going to have the facility for people to keep in contact with their attorneys. Yeah, So they'll take all your stuff away. You just won't be able to use your cell phone. So you're basically trapped. So they have the perfect opportunity to, what do you do all day? Well, you'll show you educational videos mm. how to improve your life to get out of this place you know just who knows uh, that's an yeah. interesting thought as well but things that they do take away from you based on you know lack of payment on alimony child support this kind of stuff like i said again prescribed by the courts uh some of the things they take away are your passport are your guns your gun license <laughs> Uh, all of that wonderful stuff. They'll suspend your driver's license for this. So that seems to be an interesting point, that uh, it will be those that are not paying their state-sponsored bills that uh, that will be first confronted with the problem. This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and you're listening to the Ocelli Effect at Ocelli.com. Uh-huh. But they'll force vaccinate you regardless. Oh, well, you're a prisoner, so your rights are, you know. Null and void, so 
yeah, sure. That makes perfect sense. Uh, man, I, I, you know, this is a depressing kind of uh, uh, thing we've gone into here. <laughs> well, the thing about the trumpet noises, if we go back to that, um, it all has to do, I believe, with Project Bluebeam and what shift they're going to make that'll be profound, which locks the uh, New World Order into a solid state. Their foundation will be laid once they uh, get people to be subservient to the government and hand over their weapons and just all that stuff, uh, begging for help from the only place we could get it, and that'll be government resources. Oh, right. And, and then what happens is is that if they need to, they'll create this condition in which they put everybody in absolute fear. I don't think they really ever want to disclose the alien presence here. That factor is something they don't want people to truly be aware of. But when it comes down to it, if Werner von Braun was sincere about what he said to my friend Carol Rosen, then they are going to do that. And to accomplish that task, they have to make it as real as they possibly can. So I guess we could talk about the Hollywood industry. And what I've been hearing is that they're moving out of L.A. Mostly they're going to different metropolitan areas around the country because their excuse is cheaper and they can, you know, make their films in those other locations, you know, how many films could be located in L.A., right? So right. it's better to be on location, but that is the underlying reason. Maybe during a fake alien invasion when they start doing it all at once, these studios, which are very fully well-equipped, not the military, but the studios, with the technology to project, you know, the illusion up there in the atmosphere and also the sounds that we'll be hearing, so they have the uh, crafts available to them that are making these trumpet sounds, if that indeed is what's happening. Well, um, it, is, it is noteworthy also that they have moved a lot of filming locations to Canada. There's a significant amount of production that goes on in the state of Georgia now. Uh, there is a decent amount that happens in Nevada. There is, uh, you know, all over the country and around the continent. Actually, they've moved locations for filming from uh, from Los Angeles. That's true. Again, one of those other things I didn't quite consider. I just figure it to be an economic issue. But uh, this, of course, could be yet another cause for that. Man. Well, it's all part of the logistics plan. Everything right. is considered. They don't just do something for one reason. Right. So that's why I kind of look at all the angles and try to put it all together and say, aha, well, of course, that's why they, <laughs> in this case, doing that. And by 2016, 2017, 2018, they'll have created their facilities all over in, um, in lieu of what they're going to do, if that indeed is what they're going to do. Well, that would be the thing to do is to create sort of a, uh, a mass hysteria based on not only the alien concept, but, of course, uh, these other spiritual concepts as well. I have seen people, you know, well, what, what, what could we say here? 
hypothesize about the concept of the second coming of Christ being projected into certain areas. Uh, you could simultaneously create an alien invasion in certain places, depending on the population's needs, and create all sorts of uh, problems among the majority of the population based on all of these particular angles. What do you think of that? I'm sorry, I kind of lost you there. Uh, I'm well, sorry. What I was saying, it's okay. What I was saying is the concept of not only producing, say, the alien invasion, uh, projecting holograms or whatever you want to call them of that, simultaneous with the resurrection of spiritual icons, in some places you could have the second coming of Christ being projected, in some places you could have demons rising, in some places you could have uh, any religious figure you could imagine arriving back at a particular point. Okay, I gotcha. You um, know, for the, for I those, cons- yeah, the, the I, different iconic... I contemplated this, mm-hmm. and what I feel is that because uh, it has such a big cultural difference all over the world, that um, nation, when you're talking about nations in itself, uh, not just independent cultures that, you know, like Texas would be different than Washington State, that here in the United States, they have to do something in order to achieve something, and that is getting people in fear of an enemy. It's not about, a, you know, bringing an antichrist into the picture. It's about domination of a country using a fascist dictator. Mm. That's why they have to close borders and shut everybody in and those supposed concentration camps, the whole bit. But in other nations where they wouldn't do that, they would get people under control by showing an illusion up there that would be an antichrist figure. That's kind of like the way I'm looking at it right now. Because what they're doing in the United States is they're taking a superpower that was at the top of the heap and reducing it, you know, bombing it back into the Stone Age. In fact, I think that we're worse off than Mexico is, if you think about it. It looks pretty here, but hell, you can't do anything. Mm. You know, of course, you've got to be careful of, you know, what happens in Mexico and south of there because of all of the crime and all that, but... Well, I'm diverging, but the thing is, is that here in the United States, I don't think that they could convince people to follow anything other than what most people traditionally do. Uh, there is a population of 2.2 or so, so billion Christians on this planet. Mm-hmm. How do you convince everybody in the Bible Belt here in the United States that they have that there's an, a, a Christ-like figure, a Messiah. I don't think you could do that. It just won't happen. They hope that it'll happen, and that's why they've sort of changed it, and they, they got into that and started changing the way Christians think. Their practices and the whole theology is just not like it was 50 and 60 years ago. It's all different now. Well, right. Well, theoretically, let's, just, just, let's just say, I mean, for the sake of argument... Well, what they did was they, they put Oprah Winfrey in there. Um, she was a, a Christian that sort of turned spiritual, but her show for a couple decades was all about materialism. You know, and the books that came out at Cartol and all that, you know, The Secret, mm-hmm. 
well, what's the secret? Well, everybody wanted to know what the secret was, so that they, they bought the book and learned that it's all about, if you want something bad enough, you'll get it if you pray for it. It's all about materialism. Right. You know, if you, if you achieve that, then you're, you've got God in your life. But what is God? So the I am thing really was the predecessor to the whole concept, which is I am God. And that's what Oprah Winfrey was installed for, to get everybody that was watching that show to eventually adopt that, because that's what the New World Religion is. Materialism and the fact that, um, that what is it, the second commandment has changed. Thou shalt not use God's name in vain, mm. which really means don't, don't call yourself God. Don't practice that. <laughs> had nothing to do with profanity. It had to do with don't be so vain that you would consider yourself above anything and have that power. But that's what that show was about, to, you know, lead people to that result, I guess you'd say, the, the conclusion that they could call themselves God. I am God. They never did say that, but that's where the New World Religion leads to you, because I think that that's the only way from what I've heard is that they can lock the New World Order into existence as a, you know, permanent thing. Nobody be able to destroy it. It's because they got people under that kind of control. Mm. So if you're dependent on the government for money to get those material things, look at how they've got that. It's diabolical the way they they thought this thing through. Well, by extension, what happens is if, you know, the government is the source for your food, it's the source for your money, it's the source for all things, then it becomes the source, which essentially, I've heard people say it before, but the government by transposition becomes God based on, you know, based on these concepts, and then what happens is you simply say, no, this was the, this was one version, now this is the singular version. You know, uh, this was kind of meant to be introduced from a pseudo-spiritual point of view, and I've heard that that viewpoint espoused before, that self-realization leading to the hubris that one can simply control the entirety of their own destiny, uh, but being reliant on this other, that means that Basically, people become sort of demigods in a way, and they look to the greater God, which is the provider for all things, which, if at the end of the day, becomes the government, well, there you go. I've heard that concept espoused. I mean, what do you think about that? I think a lot about it. I think about those things every day. Mm. You've got these demigods running around there called our elected officials. And I was talking to somebody just yesterday, and uh, we were talking about... Our former Surgeon General, Richard Carmona, worked for a brief time in the Bush administration. He's here in Pima County. What he does here is not medical, but it's um, training SWAT in a military Mm -hmm. fashion to be militias and uh, terminator groups. They're teams that terminate people. It's what they do during warfare when they're in other countries, but they're practicing it here and being taught. My former surgeon general. So the guy, and I'm explaining this to him, 
because it had to do with my cases here. He says, well, I like Richard Cremona because he got me out of a pickle. I had this legal issue, and he set things straight, so I love the guy. Mm-hmm. I said, but didn't you hear what I just said? I told him more, I, you know, that I didn't share now. I told him specifics of what the man did that are criminal. Mm-hmm. And still, people, when they get something, they are now committed. It's called domestication. It's like um, a rogue dog running around. won't even come near you, but if it does, it'll bite you, right? We just give them some meat, and that solves the problem right there. They're your best friend for life regardless of whether you're, you know, well, incrementally, a, mur- a murderer. I'm right. And, well, incrementally, you're supposed to accept God's plan, God's wisdom. This is sort of one of those ubiquitous concepts that runs through a lot of organized religion, which I think is part of that market change that you were talking about from 50, 60 years ago, especially in Christian uh, uh, circles. This is one of those things you're not supposed to question any of this. So if by extension one understands that the government has been transposed into that position that was formerly occupied by the invisible man, which many call God, well, guess what? You're not supposed to question them. And that part of the program seems to be working out quite well for them. Don't you think, Lee? Oh, yeah. Amazing. Well, Amazing. We, we had a guy that was uh, killed by that SWAT team here. His name was Jose Guarena. And um, eventually, in the end, what they did was they paid off his wife several million dollars, you know, because they admitted fault. But that never went to trial. And the five guys that did this on orders from Richard Carmona who set up the protocol and the uh, method by which they deal with these situations. They shot the guy and let him bleed to death. He was still alive. But they waited until he was dead before they did anything. You know, they set the little robotic video camera thing in there, the robot, just to clear the house, make sure nobody else is in there, that kind of thing. Right. By then, the guy was dead. Those things go at less than, you know, whatever mile per hour. They're just, you've seen them. Yeah, and our our toys go faster than that. But the right. thing is, is that when when there was an internal investigation conducted, it was all internal. So in other words, there was no third party that reviewed, investigated, or did anything on this event where they were serving this kid a search warrant. They fired seventy one rounds into the house, and he was hit twenty two times. So that's the protocol of serving a search warrant set up by Richard Cremona, Castigar, and uh, Clarence Dupnik, which is our sheriff, our county sheriff here. Lovely. All were saying, each and every one was saying, that they were justified in what they did based on an internal report. So you and I both know that justice doesn't happen until a jury looks at a case renders a verdict, and then the judge sets the terms of punishment, then justice is served. But you got a million people here. It's just figured that uh, the county attorney, her name was Barbara LaWall, that first announced it on the news, the local news, mm-hmm. said, yeah, they're justified in what they did based on an internal report. End of topic. 
it might as well have been the garbage collector saying that, you know? Yeah, well, it really doesn't matter. Like I said, at the end of the day, you're not supposed to question any of their uh, plans or actions, and nobody did. That's the point. Yeah, this is happening everywhere, really. There's a bunch of these these kind of situations everywhere you look. (sighs) Another thing happened here. There was a a missing child, six-year-old girl, and um, the following day when the parents – you know, called it in, it became national news, then worldwide, and then became national, and then it was just, for over a year, they were just reporting on this case. Mm. Meanwhile, hundreds of little boys and girls are missing and never found again, but they never go national on a news venue thing. Now, the script that they ran by, script, meaning what they mentioned in the news for people to adopt, one of those uh, Manchurian Candidate things, keep people under control, is she was missing with no evidence. And the actual terms that they used was without a, let's see, without a trace. She's missing without a trace of evidence. And so when the police were now given the green light to do unwarranted searches, and they got away with it because you wouldn't want to, like, disallow them entry into the house to search for the child. It's just like, you don't want the neighbors to think you're the perpetrator. They all, you know, were able to access people's homes without evidence, without any indication of how this girl disappeared or if there was uh, an abduction that took place. Their questions were primarily what weapons do you own? What are their serial numbers? If you do own them, do you store them anywhere? Do you have a storage facility? Do you have, you know, extra ammunition? And I'm assuming this is all being done without the benefit of a warrant. No warrant. It was called a warrantless. They swept the whole county, all of Pima County, which Beautiful. included, you know, the, the area of Tucson, the city limits, <clears throat> in South Tucson and so on and so forth. With, it was a warrantless effort to... What they were doing was they were profiling Pima County to see who had weapons and who didn't. That's what it was about. had nothing to do with a missing child. It had to do with profiling gun owners, where they live, how much do they have. Incidentally, it was also about how much um, or, if any, explosive devices that they had. Now, without a shred of evidence, that's what it was, not a trace, it was without a shred of evidence they were asking those specific questions. That's ludicrous. So it wasn't a month later, finally CPS, when it, you and I, we call, we get two knocks at the door. One of them is the police to take the police report. And then within a couple of days, even if it's a week, you get CPS taking your children away. Right. And without a shred of evidence, they're still taking your children away. But they did not do that with a national advertised through the media case, the news media case. So it was obvious what they were doing. They even flew specialized dogs from Arlington, Virginia, to search for this girl out in the desert, open areas. Those dogs were specialized not for finding bodies. It was for ammunition, weapons, and explosives. Right. Otherwise, these yeah, these weren't cadaver dogs. No, they, they could have got them from California. 
they could have got them from Phoenix, which is just 100 miles away. Uh-uh. They had to get those dogs from Arlington. So they didn't even sweep the waters here. Dragnet, which was typical in the old days. They even had a television show called Dragnet. When you're looking for a missing body, you have to drag with nets the, um, the local ponds, lakes, and uh, reservoirs. I thought the term came from creating a grid of search and investigation on the ground that would represent a dragnet that one would use in one of those bodies of water. I thought that's where the term came from. Well, in this case, the point was is that the, um, the police chief, mm-hmm. Roberto, I'm forgetting his last name now. It'll come to me. Anyway, the chief of police mm-hmm. was asked that question. Did you check? the bodies of water around Tucson, the park lakes, and so forth. So, no, we just looked around the perimeters. We didn't need to go in the water. But, you know, we got dive shops here. Those people were really wanting to find the child because that's what we were under the impression that she was a missing child. They weren't allowed to volunteer to go down in there and scuba dive. It was crazy. It was what just I- like they were it – was, it was the effort to find her was in total reverse. They weren't looking for her. They were just profiling. So anyway, that whole idea is that we're under a total deception of what the police and the investigators. We had the, I believe, the NSA, because they just built a new NSA hub here at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, The FBI was involved, everybody, and they were not working together on this thing. What they were doing was covering up evidence because it was an operation. And it's because... If a revolution breaks out in the United States, there are key areas that they have to concentrate on. And Tucson has, happens to be the hub in which drugs from south of the border come into, and then they're distributed. San Diego, Los Angeles, and back east. It's incredible. But we're, the, we're in a thoroughfare of the whole drug thing. Right. The United States being the American drug cartel, basically. Well, that's the interesting thing, because I was talking to Sally Castillo the other night, uh, who was a DEA agent who understood after a while being entrenched in the DEA that he was really part of the drug running system as opposed to the supposed soldiers opposing it. Uh, His... His book is called Powder Burns, for anybody who wants to read it, and he's actually getting ready to come out with another one. But... um, the thing is that, you know, over and over again, we hear from these guys, they understood that they were being utilized to uh, to prop up the drug cartels. Of course, if we have a major collapse, I don't think, because you said Mexico, who knows what will happen regarding the cartels and the criminal activity. I think that if we have a serious, massive uh, nationwide collapse financially, that'll be the end of the drug cartels, you know, usefulness in the grand scheme of things, because there'll be no more drug money to be acquired and laundered by the greater financial institutions. Uh, It'll change the equation. So I don't know what will happen with those uh, militarized cartels that are there in Mexico, unless they're repurposed. What do you think about that? That's a very good topic. that I think has tentacles that reach around the world. What are they going to do? Because it's not just the United States that they send there, they sell their drugs to. 
No, but we're clearly the biggest customers they have. Uh huh. You know, Canada goes up. Well, um, the whole drug trade happened to be a revenue generating thing in order to build the military complex. So, um, once they've achieved that goal, really, they didn't, I guess they don't need that. They'll have people in under such control that they'll be able to tap into all of their reserves. You end up in a concentration camp, there goes your whole estate. Who gets it? Not your kids. It's going to be the state. Right. So, you know, they'll replace the drug trade with your possessions. I don't know. It's just, uh, that's an interesting thing to think about, though, all. I'll sleep on that. Creates an interesting scenario, though, because they are increasingly more and more militarized. They have been since at least the 1950s or 60s, been building up that entire infrastructure, which does support the south of the border drug trade and arms trade, which, you know, goes both ways. Uh, But like I said, every time I talk to one of these guys who was involved in Castillo was one of these guys who goes back all the way to Iran-Contra. And the reality there regarding the Sandinistas and the Contras and all that, uh, he he was he's a fascinating character. I'll tell you that. Um, but all of this stuff has been in place for a very very long time and has been built up and has probably created a great uh, through its revenue generation. It wasn't all spent on black ops going to other parts of the world. I imagine there is a great deal of reserves built up. Both in personnel and weapons, as well as financially, this this may be uh, part of the explanation why even in the most broke town in America, they're still building banks. You know, and pharmaceutical, CVS, Walgreens. Right. Well, you have to have distribution for the uh, legalized drug trade. Yeah. Well, that's how they keep people. You know, not just going through the medical turnstile, but keep them under mind control. Well, so. that is the other. That is the other point here is that when you have people that are believing that they require medication or are now addicted to or reliant upon different medications for every condition imaginable, you have individuals that uh, that cannot, in any way, shape, or form, uh, imagine themselves, you know, not being part of that. Not uh-huh. having to go to the CVS or the Rite Aid or whatever. And uh, note to the listener, unknown callers, I cannot add you onto the air. All right? If I take you... you know, give it a, why don't you take a shot? Maybe it's one of my people calling in. Yeah, but I can't put an unknown caller on. It'll, it'll knock us off the network, and I'll wind up on the call with just them. That's what will happen. It'll put the show on hold. Oh, okay. It's a little Skype function problem. So if you're an unknown caller, I can only take you if you're unblocked. If you want to... Sign on to Skype and send me a request on there. I will add you in that way. You can close out your account or do whatever it is you're going to do afterwards. But thing is, either you have to unblock your call or you uh, or you can try calling in uh, through the Skype. And I'm Charles Ocelli. And if you look at it, there's also a space and again my last name for some odd reason uh, on my Skype ID. And I'm the one in North Carolina. So Charles Ocelli. Space Ocelli, spelled O-C-H-E-L-L-I, if you want to search it on Skype. Okay, sorry. But uh, unknown caller, if you unblock your number, I can add you as well. All right. 
sorry there, <laughs> Lee. That's all right. It's just I, I got a couple of those, and I'm sitting there going, well, they should know. They can't call into the show when I'm on, but okay. Anyway, this this might be somebody that you that you know that doesn't want their number disclosed. But Well, if you're able to call them on their um, cell phone and not get knocked off, I could give you that number. Uh, yeah, go, go to, go to your message, which is separate from the call we're on now. Like just find my, my contact and send it through there. Okay. And I'll, I'll call them. Of course, we're down to the last, uh, 20 minutes. Yeah. Less than 20 minutes now, but let me see. Anyway, let's go on with what we're talking about while I try and do this. Um, there we go. Uh, you know, I, I I see it interesting in that you're going to have to repurpose these individuals that, like I said, are part of that mechanism uh, of revolving around uh, the drug culture and all that. Um, you know, what, what do you, I mean, I, I realize, you know, you want to take a little time to think about it, but what, what else would you speculate regarding that? <laughs> Regarding drugs? Regarding drug the, the drug trade, the, the infrastructure that's there, I mean, it would obviously collapse. We did talk about the legalized drug trade. And okay, well, I have a good – I just thought of something. This is actually important. And what it has to do with uh, is this, – This is me trying to add that phone caller, by the way. That's Tyler Clark. Ah, uh, Okay. If he answers, he's a... Uh, I'm sorry, but the person you... Okay. Well, he, he was uh, one of the super soldier friends that I made up there at Henderson at Lorraine's convention. Ah, okay. Super soldier, mind control summit. He's a really nice guy. Very knowledgeable in a lot of interesting areas. And I learned a lot from him. So um, he was one of the people that sent me uh, the video link to that one alien. They actually videotaped alien crafts that was accompanied with those trumpet noises. And so that's why, you know, I thought maybe he'd be listening or try to call in. Mm -hmm. But he's one of those people that's very protective about his family and himself, so he wouldn't display his name. It would just come in as an undocumented or unknown number. Right, that's that's probably what it was. Then. So sorry about that, that I couldn't add him and I couldn't call him. And I tried to call him, uh, you know, with my Skype credits and uh, didn't answer. So sorry. I'll tell you what, um, the e-cigarettes that they got now is replacing tobacco smoking. And um, to do this, they had to go through many, many years of preparation for it because it's not by accident. Somebody didn't just invent them, I don't believe. I think that it's been on the drawing board for a long time to get people onto um, smokeless tobacco. Mm. It doesn't do a damn thing for you. You know, you know, it doesn't taste like tobacco, nothing. It's just a habit and a thing to, like, <laughs> you know, play around with. It's like a, I don't know, it's like a fashionable statement for people to make the biggest plume of smoke they can. It, or just to be able to go into a restaurant and smoke where they allow it, whereas mm -hmm. you don't allow tobacco smoke. So, hey, you know, let's adopt this practice of electronic cigarette smoking. You know, back in the days when they had that, uh, it was over half a trillion dollar lawsuit against Philip Morris and everybody else, the tobacco growers. 
Mm. Well, they got their money back because of the uh, the taxes that they escalated on them. The fact that you're paying eight, nine, and ten dollars for a pack of Marlboro ridiculous. But that's how they got their money back. Right. But there's fewer people smoking cigarettes now too. They're uh, either quitting altogether going to the patch or doing whatever they can to shift away from tobacco smoking because of the expense in many cases and um, adopting the electronic cigarettes. And here in Tucson, we have so many new smoke shops. Yeah, I I tried to do that personally. I'm still addicted to the cigarettes. I I tried to go to the e-cigarette because I thought it would save me some money and uh, didn't work out. I finally found one that almost tasted like tobacco. Yeah. Well, they they brought this into the culture as part of the super soldier concept of uh, getting people to be smoking these things for a purpose in the future when they add additives to it, mind control stuff, or you know, performance enhancing. They call them performance enhanced um, additives. Right. Well, it could be utilized as a delivery system for all sorts of interesting chemicals. The lungs there work you go. really well. There uh, you go. For pharmaceuticals, yeah. smoke it. Don't have to take a pill anymore. Injection, smoke it. And right. That, you- I think, is where the purpose of these things are. We see it in the film After Earth mm. with Jaden. Jaden Smith, who plays a um, character role. He's the son of Will Smith. And uh, he's taken an inhalant, but they're not kind of, he's not really smoking an e-cigarette, but it's that conditioning, that sort of signature that that's what they're doing. But, but from what I know in the community of super soldiers, that that's highly possible, that the, you know, probable that that's why they're bringing these e-cigarettes coming out now. Um, so we're seeing it in films. Young young kids, and it's not for the for people our age and older. It's the new generations that are coming up to get them off of um, street drugs. That may answer your question. You know, what are the cartels going to do? Well, it's part of what the Americans are. The American drug cartel or White House is doing is that they're shifting the habits, getting the new generations will be following up more interested in the e-cigarettes. Well, just like pills have become a lot more acceptable, e-cigarettes, they're, you know, running those campaigns to try and get you to stop smoking. But the e-cigarettes aren't really being spoken about regarding the youth. Uh, They're pushing all these other things. And and incrementally, they made pills a whole lot more normal, actually, in the past uh, quarter century or so. In what way? Well, if you notice, everything comes in a pill. Pills can solve all of your problems. Just think about that concept being everywhere. If you have, you know, high blood pressure, if you have depression, if you have aches and pains, if you have any problem you have winds up being solved by a pill. You know, it's not always injections. It's not always something that you would require. That's what I'm saying. It becomes the more portable mechanism and most people that wind up being prescribed medications take them without question as well. This is another problem with the appeal to authority. And the doctors adopt it in their practice of you know, writing prescriptions without knowing anything about them. Right. 
they're educated they're, largely by the uh, drug pushers from the pharmaceutical companies themselves. And who do they hire? Well, they hire these kids that can't get jobs out of college. Right. But they know they can make a lot of money, you know, out of the trunk of their car. They just grab all these medicines and walk right into the uh, clinics and tell them how much money they can make with each prescription they, they write. Oh, and by the way, this is what it does, and don't worry about the side effects. <laughs> yeah. Well, side effects aren't even side effects. They're actually effects because every medication winds up creating an effect, not a side effect, that then in turn creates the need for another answer from Big Pharma so that after a while you're not only addicted to a singular substance, but a string of them that are probably all reliant on one another and isn't it wonderful modern chemistry. (sighs) It's... And here's an interesting concept. Think of this. And I noticed this from my dad, who's probably as dumb as a, a rock. And I have to say that because, you know, I shouldn't say it, but it's basically true. <laughs> oh, truth is truth is truth. Yeah, I, 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 everybody hates me because the thing is, is that I'm saying that because of what I'm going to say next. When he goes to medical doctors and he's going to get an operation or some treatment, whatever. He needs to know everything about the treatment. So he'll learn as if he's going to a semester of school on what the procedure will be. He had a heart valve replacement last year. And we're talking, and I'm asking him about what the procedure is, and he's talking to me as if he's a medical practitioner. It was amazing how much he knew because he committed all these terms to memory, he just that's what they do with people is they educate them to think that they are as smart and or can be smarter than the specialist who's going to be performing the procedure or whatever is going to take place the more that they educate a person the easier it is for them to never ever go back to natural healing practices cuz with my dad's you know dad to fix this you don't need to do that and he goes into the whole repertoire, the whole dissertation, the whole explanation of why and how it works. It's just like I'm rolling my eyes, Dad. I know more about medicine than most people do, and it's just a bunch of bullshit. It's to get you hooked on the idea that you're going to get better. Right. But all they're doing is they're going to keep you in the – and that's exactly what happened. He's still going through the whole medical turnstile, you know. Oh, and then it didn't work, incidentally. So it didn't work, and he's upset, even after I warned him. But still in the belief that at some point it will work. And he's like almost 80 years old. She's like, you're not young anymore, Dad. You you can't heal after they botch up, you know, a surgical procedure like that. Right. I'm I'm 52, and it's hard for me to heal fast these days, you know. I'm not like I was when I was, you know, in my 20s and 30s and early 40s. Just like, you're 80 years old, Dad. Try the easier, softer way. But the point is, Chuck, is that people are being educated to the point where they can actually practice medicine themselves in the specific area that they're being taught for the condition that they have. But that's what keeps them hooked in there. Uh, yeah, that's part of the psychological mechanism. Look, we're going to run out of time real quick here, and I wanted you to point people to where they can find your stuff. 
and all that before we get out of here and uh then i gotta turn things over so you know where where can we find the stuff that you've written about and uh your videos and stuff i know some of it's up on youtube but there's lots of other places to find it too i have two major websites in the area that we were talking about and then i have a natural health and healing and um Solutions for treatments, uh, solutions for, you know, diseases and those that are considered impossible to cure. I've got them. But NWOCSI, which stands for New World Order Crime Scene Investigations, .wordpress.com is um, an excellent site when you want to look at what I've done in crime cases and solving national to, you know, just the big crimes that I worked on which I call federal black ops, false flag operations. A lot of people call them various names. Um, to the very first site that I set up, and I'm still working on that, it's a huge site called Dismantle the Beam Project. Mm-hmm. It's all about Project Blue Beam. My next article that's going up is exactly what we talked about tonight, the trumpet sounds, because I think that's important. People who enjoyed the show or are interested can... Look, listen to that audio that I put together, but I'm going to accompany it with visuals too. So I'll make it interesting. Right. So the conclusion that I would come to is that we are looking at a giant psyop, uh, one direction or another, whether it's being put out there in a profound fashion in order to create an effect or it's simply growing because the effect was created Oh, in the organic world, and then is being further represented in the uh, virtual world, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. But one way or another, this bears examination, and we need to uh, be aware at all times of all of the psyops that are being conducted against us. Uh, I'm sure you could agree with that. (laughs) Uh Oh, yeah. I wanted to throw something in there that I wanted to mention tonight. Okay. Okay. I think it was David Wilcock, but I'm not certain. And he postulated that the trumpet sounds come from the deep underground military bases through the vents. Mm. So whatever experimentations they do down there come out as trumpet noises. And then it was speculated that they blow up certain areas in there just to kill people, wipe them all out. And the result is hearing those noises coming through up to the surface because they're deep underground, come up to the certain, then radiate out as if it's a, a big speaker broadcasting what, what they're doing. So just all these interesting, which I didn't believe, concepts were coming out. No, that's but an interesting concept, but I don't, I don't necessarily subscribe to that one either. Although no. interesting. Yeah, no, I don't buy it because the way it was put out there was that okay, they would take a sector out just to kill the bankers that fled the bank. <laughs> Remember, the bankers were all. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. They, they're thinking they're going to find salvation in a deep underground military base, so let's hide. Well, that they were being blown up down there, I don't think it was David Wilcox saying it, but, you know, basically that's sort of the uh, conspiracy theory that was going around. If they did that, yeah. everybody would feel the, you know, the, the percussions go deaf down there. Everybody else that was not being killed off. So I don't believe it. I don't buy it. Yeah, it, it would... doesn't. It doesn't seem plausible. But 
Uh-uh. Anyway, we're going to end things off here, and I want to thank you for joining me. My guest was Lee Brecker tonight, and do check out NWOCSI. That is something to search. I've been through there a bit, and don't necessarily say I agree with everything that Lee has to say, but I will tell you it is definitely food for thought at the very least. So, And we had an interesting conversation here where you can see some of our viewpoints do converge, and I've got a lot more to say about this stuff. But uh, Lee does, too, and he's going to produce those articles and show you those sounds and all that on his site. So do go check it out as it develops. Uh, anyway, thanks to everybody who decided to tune into the Ocelli Effect tonight here on UCY.TV. I do appreciate all of you. You can go to UCY.TV slash TOE in case you're catching this further on down the line and pick up the archive. Uh, the donate button is there. The YouTube link is there. All that kind of stuff is there. And uh, also now we have a Twitter feed. Not sure if I know how to use it properly, but we have a Twitter feed. Hopefully Kim will help me figure that out. And, uh, of course, the next show coming up is Jaded, so stick around, everybody, because uh, you never know what the hell is going to happen on that show. So there you go. All right. Anyway, do keep your eyes open. Do look to the skies, look to the ground, and look to yourselves for the answers as opposed to understanding and just simply acquiescing to the answers that are provided to you by the mainstream mind control because that is really all it is, meant to condition you. Be aware. Be vigilant. Anything you want to throw in at the last second, Lee? Well, anybody that um, – what I put out there, I expect people to debunk, and uh, I would appreciate it uh, because it's for everybody's benefit to actually authentically debunk what I put out there because I don't even want that stuff to be true. Uh, it's fine to talk about it, but why want it to be reality at some point if we can't stop it? Another show from the Ocelli Vault. The Ocelli.com Radio Network.